You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Fran Gage is the author of Chocolate Obsession and My Food Life in and Around San Francisco. Her new book is The New American Olive Oil. Thank you for joining me, Fran. Thank you for inviting me. Fran, I think like many people, I don't know boodly oodly about olive oil. I just go into Trader Joe's and buy the, the, the brand that's not the Trader Joe's brand. So tell me a little bit. Let's get to the basics. How is olive oil made? I mean... Well, olive oil is, it's, it, the process is really simple, but uh, you have to really pay attention. Uh, it's, if you think about pressing uh, juice from fruit, it's sort of the same idea, except uh, instead of fruit, you get oil from olives because they grow on trees and you harvest them and you, uh, and you crush them and separate the oil from the, the solid parts. And then you have, there you are, you have olive oil. So it's, it's pretty basic, actually, although there are a lot of things that you have to think about when you're making olive oil. First off, when to pick the olives, um, how to get them to the press very quickly, because if they, if they sit around for a long time, bad things happen to them and it ruins the oil. And then how to store the oil. When, it, when people finish making it, they usually store it in stainless steel tanks uh, with a cover of inert gas because uh, oxygen is not great for olive oil. It helps it deteriorate. Now, um, uh, they, tell us a little bit about some of the different ways that you know the olives are crushed. Is, and does that make a difference in the flavor? And it, are these different ways, is there just basically one way it's done everywhere now? Or are different people doing different ways to you know, say, this is my special way of crushing the olives? Well, traditionally, I mean, and for, for, well, since people started making olive oil, uh, and you see pictures of this, and it's very romantic, there are these huge stones that would grind the olives. And first, they were driven by animals, and then later, when, you know, more modern technology came to be, uh, other, other things besides animals would drive these stones. And they're huge granite stones that crush the olives, and then what would happen this is the old method. What would happen then is the paste, the resulting paste, would be spread on mats, and the mats stacked up, and then pressure exerted on them so that the oil came out. And what kind of oil was that called? I mean, well, is, that, is, that, is that extra virgin, or do we, have we got to that point yet? No, we haven't gotten to that okay. point yet. <laughs> All right. Um, not many people make oil like that anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a couple problems with that with that method. The 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 oil and the the oil is exposed to lots of oxygen during all this the crushing, mm-hmm. and then it's it's a, a discontinuous process. They have to stop. They have to put the the paste on the mats. They have to you know stack the mats and press them and so forth. So the oil gets exposed to lots of oxygen during all this, which uh, might be too much for it. And then the other big problem with the mats situation is that it's very hard to get them clean. Mm. So, uh, you know, you end up eventually with mats that are, con- well, contaminated, basically, and so it, that ruins the oil. So not many people, uh, very few people, I don't think anyone in the United States is, is using mats, and probably some of the older countries where they've been making oil a long time, they still do that. And some people still use granite stones. But more often, people now use things like hammer mills, so these very small 
pieces of equipment after the olives get washed. They go into this mill and the mill smashes them. Mm-hmm. And then the, the paste and everything and the, and the oil and what's left over go, goes into a tank that's jacketed and heated just a little bit, mm-hmm. maybe to 80 degrees. And then these augers turn the whole thing and that helps the oil separate. Mm-hmm. Then it's centrifuged so that the oil separates from the solids and centrifuged one more time. So, you know, they get even a cleaner, uh, a cleaner oil. And that's, ma- that's basically how people make oil these days. So this is a fairly technological process then. It is, and the equipment is expensive. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, I mean, you only run these things, what, a couple of months a year. Mm-hmm. And it sits around for the rest of the time. Well, now, um, tell us a little bit about the kind of uh, olives that can be made, used to make olive oil, and what kind of olives are, which of those are growing in California? Uh, you can. There are lots of olives that can be used to make olive oil. I mean, there there are hundreds of varieties of olives, uh, and it's curious because in Europe, only specific olives are grown in certain places. In Tuscany, they only grow Tuscan olives. There are maybe four or five varieties. If you go to Spain, they don't grow Tuscan olives. They grow a different kind of olive. And in Tunisia and Morocco, and you know, they're all different. So it's very interesting. In California, people grow anything. Mm. I mean, people mix and match, sort of. There are people who just grow Tuscan olives, and there are people who just grow specific uh, olives that you might see a mixture of in some other country. But there are a lot of other people who will mix Spanish olives with Tuscan olives, and it's, you know, it's curious. The, mm. uh, the Californians are, are very innovative in the way they're, they're approaching the whole thing. It sounds almost like a winemaking. Yes, you're right. There are a lot of parallels, I think. And also people um, can harvest the olives at different times and mm-hmm. keep them separate, mm-hmm. as you would wine, and then blend them together to get a taste profile that they want. Mm, well, that's very interesting. Now, tell me, give me a, a little idea of, you know, the, the, let's get a brief idea of the deep history of olives in America, and then catch us right up to when uh, Americans started making olive oil serious cuisine style. Okay. Well, most of the, the, the bulk of the olive oil production is in California. There's mm-hmm. a little bit of production in, in Arizona, some in Oregon, uh, more in Texas now. They're, they're actually getting a, a small industry go, going. But the, the trees were brought by the missionaries mm-hmm. event, initially and planted at the missions. Therefore, they were called mission trees, although they're Spanish in origin. And initially, those people probably made oil. They did make oil. We don't know what it tasted like, uh, but they did make oil for a long time. Then more and more people were using them for table olives. A lot of these initial trees could be used for both. They mm-hmm. also made good table olives. Then, in the beginning of the 1900s, somebody came up with um, uh, an idea of how to can olives, mm-hmm. and this was the big rage then. And these, you still see these in stores, so these cans of uh, black olives, quote, black California olives, yeah, which I mean, actually aren't black at all. I mean, they're picked green, and then they're treated, and these are pretty much tasteless uh, olives. Boy, my dad used to have those all the time when I was a kid. <laughs> we always had those canned olives. Canned olives, yeah. Yeah, I know. And they're terrible, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was a big thing for a long time. Then, maybe 20 years ago or so, a little longer, some people started to really get interested more in, uh, in olives for oil and started bringing in trees from Italy 
and planting those and then uh, trying to make oil that was uh, that would rival the oil of Tuscany and in fact often did. Ridgely Evers won a blind tasting for his olive oil in 1997 in Italy mm-hmm. and then people started planting even more and more and now there's a huge uh, sort of plant planting's going on a lot. And one big thing is uh, there's a there's a method called super high density planting, where dwarf trees are planted, and they're planted close together, and they look really more like grapevines than olive trees, mm-hmm. and they're harvested mechanically over the top of the rows. This reduces the cost drastically, mm-hmm. and so and then they this is you know extra virgin olive oil. It's made uh, without any chemicals, without any heat. It's uh, the, the 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 press or the um, the paste only goes through the mill once. And because of the acreage and the ease of harvesting, these these uh, olive oils can rival some of the bad stuff that's on the grocery store shelves in price. I mean, it's mm-hmm. you know, they can price it to be competitive, and it's much better oil. Well, um, so uh, tell me a little bit about uh, Charles Gifford. He was the first person in, in California, wasn't he? I, he was, I guess, wasn't he? And I, you know, I have to remember about him, about him now. Um, I, he was the one who, who sort of re- revived some of the old mission trees, I believe. Mm-hmm. Isn't that right? Mm-hmm. And you know, and started making, planning more, and started, uh, started at it again after the the, the missionaries sort of had abandoned the trees because they had left. Now. Um, Let's get to, to, to the nitty-gritty. Tell me what the aspects of olive oil are. There are good aspects and bad aspects, and you have an interesting list here as to how, what's good qualities and bad qualities. Oh, you mean like defects? Is that what you mean? I'm just well, there well, aren't any bad aspects of olive oil. Unless... <laughs> yeah, defects. Yeah, I guess defects. Okay, defects. Well, all olive oil should have three things. It should be fruity. It should be, and it should have some bitterness and some pungency because that's just what olive oil is. Uh, and that can vary a lot. Uh, a delicate oil has very little bitterness and very little pungency, but it still is very fruity. A medium oil, well, has a little bit more bitterness and pungency. And then a robust oil, which is most most Tuscan varietal oils are pretty robust, are pretty bitter and pretty pungent. And these are polyphenols, which uh, are the healthy aspects of the olive oil. Mm-hmm and the stuff that's good for you. So we want the robust olive oil if we want to get the best benefits of the olive oil. Although a lot of people really don't like the bitterness and pungency of that oil. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, I think, in this country where unless you came, unless you grew up in a culture that used olive oil, uh, a lot of people um, prefer a more delicate oil. Well, um, and what are some of the defects that can... Well, there are various things that can go wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you, if, if the olives are piled up before they're taken to a mill, and this can happen in places, not in the United States, not in California, people are trying to be very careful about this, but in places that produce lots and lots of olives, uh, sometimes they even let them fall to the ground, which is a big no-no, you should mm-hmm. you know, take them off the trees. And they're, they're piled in big heaps, and what happens is they heat up, mm-hmm. and they start to ferment. Mm. And it, and it's an anaerobic fermentation, and it really produces terrible oil. It's called fusty, and it's a it's a particular defect that's caused by this. And then there are other things that can go wrong. Um, uh, an oil can have it can ferment in a different way, 
so that it ends up, uh, uh, the defect is called whiny. So, and it can taste, it can smell starting uh, with a little bit of yeast, or if it's a really bad whiny defect, it can, it can s smell like acetone or nail polish remover. And of course, you know, this isn't what olive oil is supposed to smell like at all or taste like. Uh, another one is rancid, and most, even a really great olive oil will eventually go rancid. It doesn't keep forever. Mm -hmm. And this is just a, an oxidation process. And then there are a couple of other, you know, not as common defects that can happen. Well, <clears throat> if you're shopping in a grocery store, one thing I've seen, and this is kind of shocking to me that to read this in your book, is something called light olive oil. Uh, which right. it, it which is not really olive oil at all in many ways, and not the way not the not of the variety you're speaking of. Well, light olive oil can be. It, it has as many calories as regular olive oil, and I think mm -hmm. probably that's the marketing angle for mm -hmm. it. And it can and it, sometimes it will say on the bottle that it's olive oil and canola oil or some other oil mixed together mixed with it. Mm. Um, the other thing that. It, it was, I think is very confusing to people is that an olive oil that's labeled pure olive oil, now one would think this would be fabulous, pure olive oil, but pure olive oil, in fact, is olive oil that's refined because it has, uh, it's too defective to sell, so it gets refined, which strips it of all taste, and then a little bit of either extra virgin or virgin olive oil is added back just so it sort of, sort of tastes like olive oil. Well, boy, this sounds like <laughs> it sounds like we probably don't want to get that. Now, if you're in a grocery store and you're looking at the shelves, how can you tell what's a decent olive oil? Well, it's hard. Uh, if you're in California and there's a bottle that has a little seal on it that says uh, extra virgin olive oil and it's certified by the California Olive Oil Council, that tells you that this oil passed some chemical tests that said it had a, had a, didn't exceed a certain acidity level, and it passed another test that indicates some rancidity, except this is low enough that it does not have that. And it also was tasted by a taste panel that tasted it blind and said it didn't have any defects and that it had some olive oil characteristics. And this is, this is modeled after the International Olive Council, uh, which is an organization in Europe. They do the same thing there. Hmm. So we want to look for uh, a bottle of olive oil that has this little seal on it. That's, That's one California. way. Now, I should say there's some California producers who don't belong to the California Olive Oil Council, so that mm -hmm. makes it a little confusing. Um, the other thing you can look for is uh, if an olive oil won a medal at a, at a competition, those people will usually put those medals on the bottles too. And that tells you, again, that a group of uh, olive oil tasters tasted the oil and find it dis distinctive somehow. Now, what's the best price I'm going to get on a bottle of olive oil, like one quart of olive oil, that's <clears throat> going to be, that's most likely to be something worth putting with good food? Well, Paul Vossen, who's the uh, the farmer advisor for Sonoma County and really quite an olive oil expert, says that uh, 500 milliliters of olive oil mm -hmm. is probably going to cost $10. Now, the super high-density people that I talked about before can actually produce olive oil for less than that. Mm -hmm. But if things are less than that, uh, you know, you might want to wonder about it. Although, I, honestly, I bought three weeks ago, I purposely was looking for a bad bottle of olive oil to have it a tasting because I wanted people to taste it. And I bought this at a grocery store, and it was 500 milliliters, 15.99, mm -hmm. and the oil was defective. 
So the price is not always, you know, it doesn't always tell you. Oh, that's uh, so. Uh, it, are there, I guess, some grocery stores now actually offer you, there are places where you can taste it? Which is wonderful. And mm -hmm. I really think this is fabulous that people are finally doing that. Because then people can taste the oil for themselves and decide, mm -hmm. well, you know, I like this or I don't like that. Or I, I think it's a really good um, a really good marketing tool for stores to do that. And, and more stores are uh, doing that. And some stores will even open a bottle of olive oil for you. If you say, you know, can I taste this? Mm. Uh, they'll now, do that. It, when you were describing the different qualities of olive oil, um, uh, robustness and uh, uh, the the fruitiness, it sounds like you might want to have two or three different varieties of olive oil in your kitchen to cook to use in different kinds of cooking. Is that exactly? The case? And that's what I try to talk about a lot in the book. I don't talk about brands, mm -hmm. but I talk about styles. And I think if people like to cook with olive oil, they should have a delicate oil and a medium oil mm -hmm. and a robust oil. And I suggest which style which style of olive oil to use for each recipe. Mm -hmm. Then they could also have maybe a citrus oil, mm -hmm. which is really fun to do things with as well. What do you mean by a citrus oil? Um, it's an oil that when the olives are being crushed, mm -hmm. uh, fruit is also crushed. It's either the fruit or just the peel. Mm -hmm. So lemon or lime or orange. And, uh, and that flavor comes through in mm -hmm. the oil. And it's, it, they can be very nice, I think. Now, um, you have a, a, a t when you buy it, if you shell out, say, 20 bucks for 500 milliliters of olive oil, and, and let's say you've been lucky and you've got one and you, want, you have three bottles, that's 60 bucks worth of oil. That, you want to protect that and make sure that doesn't go rancid. So how long does that last and how should we store it? It's, uh, well, hopefully these are bottles that are in dark glass mm -hmm. or in boxes. Uh, and they're, the other thing you could look, you have to look for, I think, is try to find either a harvest date on the bottle mm -hmm. or a use-by date. So this gives you some indication of how old the oil is already when you buy it. Mm -hmm. Then you should take it home and keep it in a dark place. Mm -hmm. I keep my olive oil in a little closet off our kitchen that's not hard to reach, mm -hmm. and I go there and rummage around and pick out a bottle of oil when we're cooking uh, and, and store it there. And if people buy large bottles and don't use it very fast, when the bottle is half empty, transfer the oil into something else because there's all this air in the bottle mm. that's not really doing the oil much good. I so see. put it in something smaller. That's another thing that people can do. So you're somewhat better off buying a smaller... You are, yeah. A smaller amount and using it quicker and yeah. keep, keep it in a dark place. And I guess you don't want to keep it... I I confess I keep my... my I, At the moment, I keep my nice bottle of olive oil in the sunlight oh, right by right the stove. Right by the stove, yeah. right, which is the temptation. Mm. You're cooking with it. And it's okay to drag it out when you're cooking that dish. But then put it back, okay. you know, until you use it again. The other thing that people make a mistake, you know, they buy... Uh, an expensive bottle of olive oil, and they keep it. Mm -hmm. They treat it like wine, mm -hmm. which is, it's not helping it at all. I mean, it's all... You want to use it. You want to use it, exactly. Uh -huh. Don't save it for special occasions. Now, your the the bulk of your book is devoted to uh, different things we can cook with. Yes. With olive oil. Um, tell us about uh, some, the easiest appetizer that you have to make. And what kind, and give give me an idea of what kind of olive oils I'm going to want to use with appetizers in general. Well, appetizers often, I think most of the ones in the book, there are a few exceptions. Uh, the, the olive oil is not cooked at all, mm. and 
when you don't heat olive oil, that's when you know you, you get really all the flavor characteristics. When oil's heated, some of those diminish a little. Uh, one of the really the really simple things in in the book is the bruschetta, mm-hmm. tomato bruschetta. This is uh, modeled after uh, a dish that's in all the tapas bars in Spain, and it's it's basically a piece of bread that's rubbed with a really ripe tomato, mm-hmm. and then drizzled with olive oil and a little salt on top. Uh, it sounds so simple, but it's really fabulous. Mm, that sounds that does sound good. Um, now, you also talk about uh, sauces you can make with olive oh, oil. Oh, yes, yes, so, yes. So uh, that's something that's kind of, that, those, these are really interesting. Tell me about what kind of sauces you can make with olive oil and, and what kind of olive oils you use. And, and I mean, heating, if heating uh, alters the flavor of the olive oil, does it sometimes do that for the good of the dish? Yes, that's true. That's true. It could, uh, especially if you have a really bitter and pungent oil. It'll mm-hmm. tame it down a little if you heat it. Uh, but a lot of the sauces in the book are, again, no with no cooking. Mm. You know, pestos and mm. uh, and a green sauce made with parsley and another really wonderful sauce made with roasted peppers and olive oil. And I think depending on what's in what the other ingredients are, for instance, if you have a lot of garlic in a sauce, mm-hmm. I think you can use a more robust oil because it stands up to the garlic. Mm-hmm. But if something's, you know, a, a little tamer, then maybe you want... Uh, an oil that's more delicate. Now, um, uh, tell me about uh, olive oils and salads. What 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 kind of salads? I mean, it seems like very natural. I, I've made a salad with uh, putting a, a bit of feta cheese in the bottom of the of the dish, and then just pour some olive oil on top of it, and kind of mix it around. And I put the spinach on top, and that's a pretty uh-huh. easy salad. That sounds delicious. <laughs> it is. <laughs> uh, from uh, Mark Bittner's ki- Kitchen oh, yeah. Express. Yeah. Okay. So tell me uh, some of your salads. What, what what kind of salads do you use with olive oil? Uh, there's a corn salad in the book. Mm. Uh, with the, you just cook the corn for a second, or you can even just cut it off the, the cobs raw, mm-hmm. and it's tossed with a little mint and some, and some tomato. Mm. Uh, and I like... You can use two different oils with that, I think. You can use uh, a really delicate oil, and that, then the corn, the sweetness of the corn will come through. Mm-hmm. Or if you want it a little more oomphy, maybe a more medium oil. Or another oil that's fun with that is uh, an oil made out of a particular kind of olives called, um, they're, they're very, very floral and very delicate, but they, are, they have this incredible aroma, and they're just... Uh, they're spectacular, and you can you know you can use you can play around. In other words, well, what kind of olives are these, and how do we identify them? Ascalano. That? They're Ascalano olives, Ascalano. and often it will say on the bottle, you know, and and, and a lot of uh, a lot of California producers now are listing the varieties of olives on the bottle, so it oh, gives you a little hint about what they are. Oh. And if you see one that's an Ascalano, it's it's a very special oil. Mm-hmm. Uh, people uh, people tend to really like it because it's not very bitter, not very pungent at all, but it's very very aromatic. Oh, well, that sounds good. I, that's it's fun. right into yeah, my shopping fun. cart. Now, uh, what kind of soups do you, do you make with olive oil? Well, a fun thing with soups is, you know, you can cook with, you cook the, say you're making any kind of a soup, you can uh, cook the, the uh, vegetables with it. And mm-hmm. then uh, what's really fun is to drizzle uh, another, maybe a, a more robust oil on the top. Like if you mm-hmm. have like a kale soup or kale with potatoes. Or, mm-hmm. I, uh, I, and I you just put that right on the right on the yeah. top and so that you get a, you know, a little spoon of that each time you take a taste. Mm. That's very nice. That sounds good. Now, uh, what kind of olive oil do you recommend to go with fish? I mean, is it any, is there, it just depends on the recipe? I think it depends on the recipe, yeah. 
Uh, there's a smoked fish spread in the book mm-hmm. that, um, because it's smoked fish, you know, it's a little stronger flavor mm-hmm. than than just fish you would poach or do anything else with. But I, and so instead of, uh, because of that, it could stand up to a, maybe a medium olive oil, but I really like a delicate oil with that. Mm-hmm. But people could do, you know, they could experiment a little. Uh, there's a poached tuna recipe. Mm-hmm. You poach tuna in the olive oil, mm-hmm. and I use a medium oil for that because the, you know the tuna I think has a, it's not a real delicate fish. No. Now you have a nice recipe for salmon and parchment. Right? Yes. And yeah. That's kind, kind of, of fun. What kind of oil do we use? That's for that? well, I, I thought it would be fun to try a, a basil olive oil for that, and I think that's nice. Now, oh, basil. Well, this is now. This sounds sinful. You're you're diluting the perfection with with some kind of stuff here. So well, and this is the best of these oils are made the same way the citrus oils are. Mm-hmm. The 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 herbs are crushed right with the olives. This is an olive oil that's in the bottle, and then people stick basil in it, and that's that's it. Does, you don't get the same result. Uh, the 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 uh, basil plants are crushed right with the olives. Now, you, you talk a little bit about these oils that have. They can get that have different things kind of floating in them. Yeah, and they, and it's, it, yeah. I'm not, I'm not real crazy about those oils. Mm-hmm. I'm I, some of the the citrus oils and some of the herb oils I think are good. But I mean, people get carried away. There, there's all kinds of you see olive oil with all kinds of stuff in it. And yeah, I know. I don't know. It's uh, yeah. I'm I'm Looks not a crazy gimmicky about those. To me. Yeah, I'm not too crazy about those. All right. Uh, I've used uh, olive oil with vegetables all the time. It's mm, very mm. nice to, to cook with. So, so tell me a little bit about your thoughts about, um, again, what what kind? Give me some ideas of some of your favorite recipes. What you might just go home and make tonight, where you not sitting well, here in the Candela Book Cafe. <laughs> <laughs> if you're grilling vegetables mm-hmm. and you're grilling vegetables like fennel, mm-hmm. uh, you know they're fairly hearty. And I think a medium oil. You might even try a little robust oil on those. I think that would be beautiful. If you have uh, Heirloom tomatoes, uh, I wouldn't use a real strong oil, although some people might. I'd use a more delicate oil on tomatoes Mm because it just might overpower them. And if you have tender little salad greens, I wouldn't put a robust oil on those either. Although, again, some people might, but I think they need a more delicate oil. That's where you want your your fruity light oil. Now, um, you can substitute uh, olive oil for butter. Yes. Um, so when tell me a little bit. baking, yeah. Uh, when you're baking with doughs and pasta. So tell me what's the, what's the the recipe for that or the proportion? Uh, generally, the ratio. Generally, uh, if if the recipe calls for a cup of butter, which is eight ounces, you use six ounces of olive oil. Mm-hmm. And we think about it, it kind of makes sense because butter is about eighty percent fat. Mm-hmm. There's water and there's dairy, you know, milk solids in it, and well, oil is oil. It's a hundred percent. So that sort of makes up the difference. And you can do all sorts. Of, I was really amazed at what you can do. I had a bakery for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I, we never baked with all. We, well, we had some olive oil and some of the breads we made, but none of the pastry at all. And it, to me, that's been a real revelation that you can really uh, substitute and come up with really interesting things. Now, uh, again... You can probably use oils from any part of the spectrum, depending on what what you're baking. I you're right. Guess. It's always safe to use a delicate oil, right? Because that sort of is going to mimic the taste of butter more than any other. Mm-hmm. But if you're using chocolate, if you have really good chocolate, you can use a robust oil because the two just stand up to each other. It's really interesting. Well, really a interesting. chocolate cake made with the olive yes, oil, robust yes, olive yes, oil. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that sounds bizarre, but uh, it's really good. Oh, it sounds delicious. Um, so is this something you've made at home? Oh, yeah. Huh? In fact, there's a recipe in the book, a cake that I have made a million times, literally. 
uh, we used to make a cake like this in the bakery. That's it has a fair amount of butter in it, and mm. I've I've used I've substituted olive oil in that cake, and I've used delicate oil, and I've used robust oil, and I've used orange oil, mm-hmm. uh, and they're all great. Mm. It really works. That sounds like fun. Now, um, uh, I, I meats and poultry. Of course, you're going to be drizzling it with that. I mean, I, so, but. Um, how much is too much? I mean, when you, you've got meats have fat too, so you've got two different kind of clashes. Well, of oils. You, know, you don't have things swimming in it for right. sure. <laughs> but uh, another really great thing is just to grill beef like a ribeye steak, mm-hmm. and uh, a robust oil on that. It, what happens is so interesting because you don't taste. If you tasted the oil by itself, it probably would be pretty bitter and pungent. But when you just drizzle it on the meat, there's some sort of chemistry that happens that uh, it, it it makes it. It's, it's just not the meat, and it's just not the oil. Mm-hmm. The two make something better. It's, now, it's quite interesting. Now, I have a recipe that I use. I just actually made this last night, and I didn't use olive oil for it. And given the quality of my olive oil, I probably shouldn't have. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll correct that. Um, where what I do is I take a pan, uh, a, a iron pan, iron skillet, mm-hmm. and I put it in an oven, and I heat it up to 500 degrees, uh-huh. get it really hot. I pull it out and I put a little, uh, and the recipe calls for canola oil. Uh-huh. I put a little canola oil on a ribeye steak and just, just put that steak dry with just the olive oil and the, or the canola oil, salt and pepper uh-huh. on the uh, skillet, turn it over, c- cook it for 30 seconds, turn the other side, cook it, then, you know, uh, put it back in the oven and broil it for two minutes each side, and, mm-hmm. which is, I like because it predictably comes out a steak that's the right amount of doneness for me. Uh-huh. Can I use olive oil on that, or is that too hot? Is that going to burn the heck out of the olive oil? You could try it. If mm-hmm. it smokes tremendously, then probably it's a little too hot. Although mm-hmm. you can heat olive oil. You can deep fry things in olive oil. Oh, really? If you don't heat them above 380 degrees. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a book launch for the party, and we were planning the menu, and somebody wanted to make aioli because they loved aioli. And then somebody else said, well, if we're having aioli, we have to have French fries. I mean, there's not a recipe for French fries in the book. And I said, well, if we're making French fries, we're going to deep fry them in extra virgin olive oil. And we did that, and they were fabulous. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, they were really good. I mean, you can't heat it. If you heat it more than 400 degrees, then, it, you know, it doesn't do it much good. Mm-hmm. And some other refi- refined oils, you can heat pretty high because mm-hmm. they don't – the trick to heating oil is the fatty acid content. And refined oils have no fatty acids in them because they've been stripped out of them. By and refined oil, you mean is a canola oil a refined oil? Yes, okay. un- unless it's it says that it's expeller processed specific only. Sometimes they do that and then they refine it as well. Mm-hmm. But but then the other thing, extra virgin olive oil has very few fatty acids, so you can't actually heat it. Now, um, so we've got we've gotten we've had. And a complete meal <laughs> with all, olive oil. Um, tell me a little bit uh, uh, about um, just. Uh, let's get back to this choosing olive oil. Okay. Um, you're you're in the grocery store, so you, we want we want to look for something with a metal. We want a date if we can find a it. A date is really important. Yeah. And, and we want to look for something from California too. Well, that would be great. And I'm just saying, I'm not saying that you never buy oil from other other countries. Um, Again, you could look at price. If you mm-hmm. see oil that's imported, and regardless of what the label says about whether it's extra virgin or not, if you see big bottles of oil for at a very low price, it's probably not extra virgin oil. And there's a problem with this in that there are no regulations. Mm-hmm. The people in Europe have their regulations, and they, they're very strict. But if they're exporting oil out of the country into the United States, it's not a member of the International Olive Council, 
well, they can label it however they want to label it. Mm. So uh, America is not an, a member of the No, we're not, no. And uh, what would it take for that to happen? Oh, I, I don't even think there's any talk about that. Um, in California, there is a law now about mm -hmm. how, how uh, California oil has to be labeled. And the USDA is working on labeling, but it, it, they've been working on it for years, and I don't know if that's coming anytime soon. It's going to be a while, I think. But if people, even if you buy something from another country, if it has a DOP designation on it, you know, a department uh, classification, mm -hmm. I, that's probably a good sign. But if you're buying... Uh, any other kind of California oil with a seal or with an award or any kind of oil, look for a date on the bottle. Mm -hmm. I've been speaking with Fran Gage. Her new book is The New American Olive Oil. Thank you for joining me, Fran. Thank you so much for having me. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.